Remember your creator while you are young, before the days of trouble come, and the years when you say, I find no pleasure in them. When you get old, the light from the sun, moon, and stars will grow dark. The rain clouds will never seem to go away. At the time, your arms will shake and your legs will become weak. Your teeth will fall out so you cannot chew and your eyes will not see clearly. Your ears will be deaf to the noise in the streets and you will barely hear the millstone grinding grain. You'll wake up when a bird starts singing, but you'll barely hear singing. You'll fear high places and will be afraid to go for a walk. Your hair will become white like the flowers on an almond tree. You will limp along like a grasshopper when you walk. Your appetite will be gone. Then you will go to your everlasting home and people will go to your funeral. Soon your life will snap like a silver chain or break like a golden bowl. You'll be like a broken pitcher at a spring or a broken wheel at a well. You will turn back into dust of earth again, but your spirit will return to God who gave it. Everything is useless. The teacher says that everything is useless. The teacher was very wise and taught the people what he knew. He very carefully thought about, studied, and set in order many wise teachings. The teacher looked for the right words to write what is dependable and true. Words from wise people are like sharp sticks used to guide animals. They are like nails that have been driven in firmly. Altogether, they are wise teachings that come from one shepherd. So be careful, my son, about other teachings. People are always writing books, and too much study will make you tired. Now everything has been heard, so I give my final advice. Honor God and obey his commands, because this is all people must do. God will judge everything, even what is done in secret, the good and the evil. Thank you, Lyle. Very depressing. Very depressing. Very depressing. Which is so odd. He's such an uplifting guy. We're going to use this rope in a minute. We're going to do a little, little mountain climbing if we can. Soul food. We're talking about soul food today. What exactly, uh, what exactly is soul food? What exactly is your soul? What is your soul? People go to a funeral, and what do you say? May God rest there. Exactly. Derek Jeter was called the soul of the... Yes. Tom Brady said Wes Welker is the soul of the Patriots. Homer Simpson sold his soul for a donut. Okay. All right. And do you realize that somebody tried to sell their soul on eBay for $2,000? Yes. eBay took it down. They have a no soul selling policy. So they <laughs> took it down. Well, what is your soul? What exactly is your, your soul is? Everybody, your soul is all of you. It's the true you. Your soul is the true you. It's all of you. It's your mind. It's your body. It's your will. It's all of it. It's everything. We all have a soul. And it's all of us. In the Bible, actually, when you look at the word soul, right? so the definition of the word soul in the Hebrew is your throat. It's your throat. What does that mean? What does it mean that my soul is my throat? It goes on to say it, it's your appetite or it's, your, it's an empty stomach. So here. Here's what your soul is. The soul is all of you, and all of you is hungry. Your soul is all of you, and all of you is hungry with an appetite, and your soul wants to be fed, and it's our responsibility to watch what we eat. 
It's no one else's responsibility. Our souls are hungry, wants to be fed, and it's our responsibility that we watch what we feed our souls. Dallas Willard says it like this. Listen to this. Our soul is like a stream of water which gives strength, direction, and harmony to every other area of our life. When that stream is as it should be, we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all we do because our soul itself is then profusely rooted in the vastness of God and His kingdom, including nature. And all else within us is enlivened and directed by that stream. Therefore, we're in harmony with God, reality, and the rest of human nature and nature at large. The psalmist says it this way, truly my soul finds rest in God. Why would that be? Why? Because God is permanent. So here's the thing. Uh, health food to your soul is things that are permanent. Things that are temporary is, is it's like junk food for your soul. It's like a sugar high. So we do something here uh, that many of our volunteers know about. We do this VIP cafe. And in our cafe, we do full-blown breakfast. I mean, it's a, it's a big party down there. 60, 70, 80 people down in this right before we start here. We have this, it's a wonderful time, full-blown breakfast. And this morning, it was like this cinnamon casserole, you know what I'm saying, dish. And so I went to get some, and, and it was for some reason the spoon like made me back up and get just a few more, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Scooped it out, and I had like four or five of these things. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. I, I felt so euphoric. At the moment, I just, man, this is, I remember commenting, the people sitting around, I was like, wow, this is good. And then as I'm walking up here, right, from the cafe, it was like everything was crashing. I was like, I feel so terrible now. That's the same way our souls operate on things that are temporary. And what Ecclesi- this incredible book, Ecclesiastes, the only book like it in the Bible, written from the viewpoint of a skeptic. Somebody who says there's nothing above the sun, we're only below the sun, they don't believe in God, you won't find anything else, you read through it, you won't find another book in the Bible like that. It's like, he's pointing out to us that there are permanent things and there are temporary things and our soul is going to feed and when it feeds on the temporary, it's like a sugar high, like, whoa, that felt good, but then crash, then the crash comes in. And so what Ecclesiastes is trying to help us over and over and over through deep philosophy, it's a philosophy professor writing this thing. It's like, think, think, think deeply. What are you feeding your souls? So how are you caring for your souls? Your soul is hungry. Louis C.K. said it, that thing, you know what I'm saying? That thing that comes and visits you every now and then and says, feed me. And so often, what do we feed with? We're so distracted all the time. We take something out, right? We want to feed it all this time. So how are you doing with feeding your soul? You feeding it good food or sugar high? That's what this is all about. Now here, Today, we're talking about crazy calendar. We started last week. We continue this week. What happens when you get really busy? I don't know about you, but when I get really busy, you might, this might sound crazy. One of the first things that goes in my life is God. Like, I don't have time for you, God. I'm super busy. I know I'm a pastor, but I'm busy. I don't have time for you. And the people I talk to, when they get super busy, most of the people say the first thing that goes in their life is God. We'll put God on the back burner. That's what happens when we get so big. And the problem with that is, is this, is God is permanent. And so much in our lives is not permanent, it's temporary. And we're feeding on the temporary through the busyness of life. And we get to the end of it, we're on this sugar high, and we start crashing. We're like, oh man, my soul is empty. What happened? Uh, 
when my daughter was born, so my son's about five years older than, than our daughter, Gracie. And when she was born, three days after she was born, oh my gosh, when you have an infant in your home, <laughs> they dominate the house, right? We all kinds of equipment, all kinds of things to do. And three days after she's born, we're, we're, we're at home. I had an important meeting. I had to get all dressed up. I had to get in the suit and tie. You know what I'm saying? So I'm all dressed up, ready to go, trying to take care of everything happening in the home. There's nobody, nobody sleeping. You know what I'm saying? There's no, you're around the clock up. So I go dashing out of the house, suit, tie, all dressed up, hop into the car, backing out, and I realize something. I didn't have any shoes or socks on. You're like, John, you didn't realize when your bare feet hit the driveway, you haven't? No, I had no idea. You know why? I was busy. The most basic things about life we forget about, the most fundamental thing that we need, our shoes, we forget about when we're busy. And we tend to, I do at least, forget about God. And God is permanent. And I focus on the temporary. I just get to get through the temporary, right? And what the problem is with that is the sugar high, and it leaves my soul dissatisfied. How are you doing with your soul? So I, uh, I actually officiated a wedding yesterday, and it was on Fort Myers uh, at the old chapel here at Fort Myers. And what uh, they made me do, uh, something I actually have never done uh, in many, many years, I had to actually go to the courthouse here at Arlington and get the piece of paper proving to them that I was registered to perform weddings in the state of Virginia. So I go to the courthouse. I haven't been to the courthouse in a long time. It's been a long time since I've been arrested. So I haven't been to the courthouse. Just joking. Sort of. Uh, I go there, and they make you surrender your phone. You can't take your phone into the courthouse. I'm like, what? What will I do? <laughs> you can't take my phone. So they took my phone. I actually left it in the car. I go inside. I go to this office, very plain office. There's hardly anybody in it. And they're all the way in the back. And I'm sitting, everybody, in this small waiting room. There's no magazines. There's nothing. And there I sit, like Louis C.K. What am I going to do? I don't have my phone. I, don't, I can't hide behind. And all of a sudden, I get a visitation. That thing starts to visit me and say, you got to do something here, man. Come on. I got up. There was like a postcard. It was on the wall. And I start reading this postcard, right? Was just really into it. Our souls are craving. They're hungry and they want something. And the temporary stuff in life doesn't fill our souls. Our soul is looking for something that is very, very permanent. How are you doing with your souls? Socrates said this, beware of the busyness of life. Why did he say that? Why did Socrates say that? The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Why did the psalmist say that? Throughout this series for the past seven weeks, as you know, if you've been here, I've become quite a fan of Socrates. Man, that guy wrote some good stuff. We actually didn't write anything, okay? His writer wrote some good stuff that he said. I go around doing nothing but persuading both young and old not to care for your body or your wealth in preference to your what? To your souls. Very important. Now, I want to make a couple points out of these verses. I want to go through some of these verses that Lyle uh, read for us, okay? And the first thing I'd like you to do, and if you want to write it down on the back of your bulletin, this is really important. Start now, start young. This is what the writer is saying. In conclusion, the final chapter of this unique book, the most unique book in all the Bible, is to start now, start young. You might say, hey, I'm not young. Okay, start now. 
And we got it all covered. Start now. This is what he says. Remember your creator while you're young, before the days of your trouble come, and the years when you say, I find no pleasure in them. So often I hear this. I felt it when I was uh, younger, right? I felt it was young. You know what? I'm going to have fun now. I'm going to do my fun stuff now. We'll get to God later. I'm going to do the fun stuff now. And what the writer is saying is actually it damages our souls. It's hard. Our souls are looking for something. And we think we're going to find pleasure by doing all the temporary stuff now, and then we'll get you the permanent stuff later. And he says, no, it doesn't work that way. You think you're going to find pleasure later in God? You can't. You think this is going to find the temporary stuff? No, you're not. It's not going to work. It's like we're digging ruts in our life, and we get deeper and deeper, and we think, okay, I'm just going to change all this later, and I'm going to get to the, to the permanent stuff. And the ruts, the walls have become so high, we can't crawl our way out. Good habits are hard to make, but they're easy to live with. Good habits, hard to make, easy to live with, right? Bad habits, easy to make, hard to live with. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And this is what the writer is saying. Start now. Start young. Temporary things don't satisfy us. They're like sugar highs. Who actually brings joy and fun to our lives? Ecclesiastes says it says actually God does God gives wisdom knowledge and joy why does God do that because God is Mr. Permanent right money is not permanent you're not taking it with you your degrees your promotions all of this it's not permanent you're not taking this with you there there is a very temporary it's temporary temporary the permanent things in life is what brings our soul satisfaction and joy we have to feast on those that's the real soul food psalmist says 35 my soul will rejoice in the lord why in the lord because god is mr permanent you've made known to me the path of life you will fill me with joy with joy so start young start now second point stay tied to the permanent let's get to the rope it's here for a reason Let's get to the rope. So here's the thing. Do you know that farmers in the Midwest many, many years ago, at the first sign of a blizzard, you know what they would do? They would tie a rope from their house to their barn. You know why? Because so many farmers in a blizzard in whiteout conditions couldn't find their way back from the barn to their house, and they would die in their own front yards. So we'd take a rope, and they would tie it, right? Something that they could say, ah, I can take this and go back. Well, here's the permanent stuff. What are you tying your life to? If we tie our lives to temporary things, we can't seem to find our way back. We have to tie off to things that are permanent. There's so much in life that is temporary, and if we're tying off to the temporary, not gonna, if I'm tying off to money and think that that's going to satisfy my soul, it won't. Possessions, degrees, a really busy calendar so I feel like I'm popular and I'm cool, right? That doesn't do it. We have to tie off to something permanent. That's God. We, we, we talked about at the beginning of the series, Christ, community, compassion, Christ, permanent, community, our relationships, we take them with us into eternity, compassion, service. Jesus says that's the true treasures that we lay up. We lay up in eternity, how we serve other people and make a difference in other people's lives, not how other people serve us. Those three things, what are you tying your life off to? Is it secure? Is it secure? How are you feeding your souls? I'm going to go through a couple verses here because they're really cool. All right? Verse number two. It's going to be very uplifting. Verse number two. You're getting old, and the light of your life is growing dark. 
Verse 3, your arms, they're starting to shake and your legs are getting weak. Your teeth are all falling out. Verse 4, you can't see, you can't hear, and you can't sleep. My grandparents, you know, when I was really little, they would were, were like go to bed at 7 or 8 o'clock. And by the time I was in my teens, they were going to bed about 5.30 and waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Like, if they would have lived 150, they would have totally looped all the way around. They can't sleep. <laughs> can't hear you, kid. See, you can't sleep. Your hair's all turning white, and you're walking around in verse number 5 like a grasshopper with a bad leg. I don't know what that looks like, but that must be bad. Verse 7, your body is turning back to dust, and your spirit is returning to God. You know what, you, you know what the, the writer here is basically saying? It's like you, you check yourself into a Motel 6 room for a week. All right, if you work for Motel 6, my apologies. I just, I just wanted to think of a universal... Uh, Motel that's not necessarily the greatest, okay? <laughs> you check into Motel 6 room for weeks, so and you know what? For one week is what I want to do. Rip all, the, rip, all, rip all the carpet out. Rip out all the furniture. I want to get some really nice furniture in here. I want to carpet this place with some really good non-infested carpet. You know what I'm saying? I want to get some good stuff in here. Get rid of the old mattress, Right, with the big cell, I want to get a great mattress. What if you just decked it? It was like the greatest Motel 6 room in the history of the world. Would you do that for one week? Which one of us would say, yeah, I want to deck out my... That's your life. You're here such a short time. Let's go back to the rope. We've got to use it for something. It's all the way out here. Let's use it for something. Here's the thing. This rope is eternity. We found this rope this morning when we got here. And uh, we can't find out where it ends. It just goes on forever. It's eternity. It's your life. That little piece right here, that little piece right there, that's your life on earth. And here's everything else. So we've pretty much made a case that even, statistically speaking, your money and your possessions and your degrees, even in life, according to all the studies, they don't really bring you that much satisfaction. They're like a sugar high. Ooh. If I just make this money, this much money, I'll be happy. Then you make that much money. You're like, I'm not so happy. If I get this promotion, I'll be... And you're high for a little bit. Then I'm, all right? So we've made that case. So we're not going to go back all the way. Are you planning this much? Are you putting everything into this much? Are you, are you thinking about what's coming here? Because you don't take your money or possessions or your degrees or your promotions with you, right? It's all the permanent stuff that matters for all of eternity. And it's all the permanent stuff that satisfies your soul. Is that really a wise way to live? Put all of your emphasis on this little piece right here. Is that a wise way to live? Our souls feast on permanence. And all the time, things that just so temporary, it just... It's like a sugar high. I want to show you a couple pictures here. Let's look at some pictures, Dan. You all tell me, do you know, who is that person? Kay Ledecky, right? Is she a fast swimmer? Huh? Did anybody see her swim the 800 meters? There wasn't anybody else in the picture frame. It was so embarrassing. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. You know, it's just, she's just phenomenal. Let's look at the next picture. Who is this person? Jamaica. Yes. Our Jamaican friends. The great Usain Bolt. Very fast. Like, if I was that fast, I wouldn't even own a car. I would just run everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's incredible. What a great name. Bolt. Because he's so fast. Is it cool? All the gold medals between Katie, 
Usain, all the gold medals. You ready, everybody? I want you to think about this. 80 years from now, a 10-year-old, a 10-year-old, 80 years from now, a 10-year-old will beat Usain Bolt in a foot race. 80 years from now, a 10-year-old will beat Katie Ledecky swimming, right? Usain Bolt, 80 years from now. Right? What was he, 110 or something? How old is Usain? He's like 30 now, right? right? A 10-year-old. It's great. The medals are great. The accomplishments are great. Right there. So it's awesome, but it's very, very temporary. Life is temporary, and our souls are hungry, and our souls feed on things that are permanent. That's what really satisfies so we're responsible for what we feed our souls. Are we feeding our souls temporary things or permanent things? Because if we're not careful with what we feed our souls, our souls will take us places that we don't want to go. I'm going to say that again. Because a lot of us experience that. I've experienced it in my own life. My soul wants something, and it's so hungry. It takes me someplace like, oh, I wish I didn't go there. I wish I didn't do that. Temporary. Very, very Temporary. Uh, our souls feed on permanence. We're hardwired for permanence. Did a little reading on Sigmund Freud this past week. Freud had some very interesting observations about the fact that we are hardwired for permanence. I'm just going to give you a little clip, okay? That's what he said. Our unconscious, then, does not believe in its own death. It behaves as if it were immortal. You know what he's saying there? That something inside of us, something, something has been hardwired. says, you know what? Permanence. Now, what would the writer of Ecclesiastes say about that? He would say, chapter 3, verse number 11, God set eternity in our hearts. We desire permanence. Same thing that Freud says. We desire permanence. Our souls crave permanence. Now, we can ignore it. Say, ah, I don't want to think about it. And that's what Ecclesiastes keeps saying over again. I don't think about it. You know, go out, eat, drink, watch a football game, have sex. This is what Ecclesiastes says over and over. Try to ignore it. But you know what he says? He says, it keeps breaking through. It keeps breaking. It keeps visiting. Louis C.K., it just keeps visiting. And we try to cover it up with the busyness of life. And it just keeps resurfacing. There's something my soul wants. And only permanence fills it. Socrates says this. The true philosopher is always pursuing death and dying. Why? Why? And you, you, all the great ones, all the great philosophers, they're very much into death and dying. Why is that? Because it clarifies, because it wipes away what is permanent, what is temporary, what is really important and matters the most, and those things that are so fleeting. That's why they're into it. They're deep thinkers. We have to deal with it. Ecclesiastes is forcing us to think about these things. Now, enough of that. We get to the end of the book, 12th chapter. Again, I will restate this. What you have in the book of Ecclesiastes is a philosophy professor giving us his thoughts. You'll get this nowhere else in the Bible. He's a skeptic. Sometimes he's, a, he's an all-out atheist. Sometimes he's an agnostic. He gives you different viewpoints. We talked about that. He wears different hats for us. And you have an editor. The editor is like teaching his son. It's either his son's son or it's his pupil. He's like, 
listen to this. This guy is really smart, and he's going through all this. He's making you think your brain is just chugging away. And now we get to the very end. He says, okay, all right, you heard it all. It's great. And then, you remember what Lyle just read? They're like, they're, they're like prodding us forward to think. He says, now let me sum it up with three things that we all need to know. He says, the first one is this. Number one, conclude the entire matter. He says, put God first. Put God first. You know, you get crazy busy. First thing to go, at least for me, first thing to go is God. Shoes, the basics of life, is gone. He says, put God first. And God knows this. God knows this. He knows, the, he knows what we're struggling with. He's not up, up looking down from the sky saying, why in the world are you putting me last? What is wrong with you, you bad people? He's not doing that. He understands our struggle of life. That's what Jesus is all about. God takes on flesh and understands all the struggles that we go with. That's my summary of Jesus in a few words. He understands. So here's a great prayer that really pleases God. God, help me to put you first. Because when we put God first, what happens is, is we're feeding our souls with what is permanent. And in the long run, we're satisfied. And we avoid all the sugar highs. Number one, put God first. Number two, he says this, obey God's commands. Obey his commands. Well, I'm not sure I want to do that because they're going to rob me of all the fun. I mean, all the fun is the sugar high, right? And he says, no, 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 no. God's commands actually aren't there to shame us, even though that's the message that comes through a lot. Not true. Actually, God's commands are there to bring satisfaction to our souls because they're rooted in permanence. They're there for our benefit. God didn't give us the commands of the Bible to say, shame on you for not doing them. God, like any loving... Look, when I'm at my best as a parent, when I'm at my best, all I want is my best for my kids. When they mess up, I'm not like, you terrible. I don't know. When I'm at my best, I'm like, I'm crying for my kids, and I want the best for my kids. That's all I want. That's all I want. God is a far better parent than I am. And all he wants and all of those commands is the best for us because he knows what satisfies our souls. The best. That's what God has in mind. They won't rob us of fun. Instead, God commands feed our soul. Now, let's look at another picture, Dan. Who is that person? Yes. What's the show? Everybody loves Raymond. Did he make a bunch of money? He made a ton of money. Very successful. So until he was 29, he was living in his parents' basement. Not that anything's wrong with that. Until he was 29, he's delivering futons. Do we even do futons anymore? They were like a big deal for a while. Well, he's delivering futons, living in his parents' basement until he's 29 years old. And finally, he moves out of his parents' basement, and he's, gonna sh you know, he's striking out, and he's going to look for his fame and his fortune. And he does the show, Everybody Loves Raymond. Do you realize he's the highest-paid TV actor? $1.8 million per episode. Made a ton of money. He's at the height of fame, fortune, and success. You know what, who's, who the most surprised person on the planet is by success? Him. <laughs> he can't believe he's made all this money. Here's how he ends his final show. Final show, it's all ending down. He comes out after he shoots the show, stands in front of the live audience, 
and with tears streaming down his face. He shares a story. He said his older brother, the day he left and moved out of that basement, took a little piece of paper and wrote a scripture verse on it and put it in his suitcase. And it was the words of Jesus Christ. Don't try to gain the whole world and forfeit your souls. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their souls? So he had made it. But as he stands there with tears in his eyes, even though he made it with all the temporary things, there was a peace missing in the permanent things. Final point, trust God to judge. Trust God to judge. The writer uh, here, the professor, the philosophy professor, has repeatedly said to us some things that are really important, things that maybe some of us think, but we would never say, and he just, boom, he just says them. To say things like, you know what, there's no justice in the world. He said, I have seen a person who is good and righteous and did all, did all the right things, and they have a miserable life and they die early. And I've seen this really wicked, nasty person who lives a terrible, selfish life, and they live long, prosperous life. He says, don't be too good. I know some of us love that. Don't be too good. Make sure you get a little bad mixed in there with you. Don't be too good. Because the wise and the fool both die. And everything is meaningless. And now what we get here at the conclusion is the editor says, well, if there's nothing above the sun, that is true. This is deep philosophy. That is true. If there's nothing above the sun, everything is meaningless. This is all you have. You live, you die, that's it, it's over. But if there's something above the sun, if there's something above the sun, the editor says everything, everything is meaningful. And you say, well, what about all the injustice in the world? God will judge it. All of it. What about the person that did me wrong? God will judge it. Every bit of it, all of it. And here's another great prayer for us to pray. God, help me to trust your justice. Help me to trust your justice. Because if we're bitter and we're unforgiving, it damages our own souls. Help me to trust your justice. Help me to forgive so my soul can be healthy. Well, we're going to conclude this way, everybody. Um, we've covered a lot of information. We've talked about studies. We've talked about stats. We've talked about Harvard. We've talked about Yale. We've talked about all these studies that are out there, all this data. It's a great time to live. It really is. Because at our fingertips now, we have all of these wonderful studies that come right back around to the book of Ecclesiastes and says, yes, actually that is true. God did put eternity in our hearts. Today, according to Gallup, our globe, our world is more intensely religious than it ever has been. We live in a wonderful time, but that's all information. Information alone is not going to get you there. Information is great. Information is power, but we need something else. We need an experience with God. Some people lean to one side. Give me just information. Give me all practical. Some people lean over here. I could care less about the information. Let's just have an experience with God. And what I want to say to you is we need both. So I want to tell you the story of Jacob in conclusion, okay? Jacob is a very important person in the Bible. 
And we're told that when Jacob was born, he was struggling, even in his own mother's womb, like him and his brother Esau. I have no idea what that looks like. I can only imagine they're like fighting and wrestling inside. So that was but striving. So I get this picture. Even when he was still in his mother's womb, he was craving, striving. So all of his life he's craving, he's striving, he's looking for something. His father favored his brother Esau. Esau, the very name means hairy, like skin, like hair, hairy. You know what I'm saying? It's like Sasquatch, okay? <laughs> Big dude, bad dude. And his father favors Esau. And some of us here in this room know what it's like not to have the approval of a father or a grandfather or an important person in your life or maybe a boss that you crave so much. He didn't have it. So one day he comes up with this plan with his mother that he would put all this stuff, all this hair all over his arms and he would go in and at the risk of his own life because he knows that Sasquatch, his brother, is going to figure this out, right? But at the risk of his own life, he goes in because he so desperately wants to hear those words of approval and affirmation spoken to him by his father that he puts his life at risk to get it. He gets it, and then all hell breaks loose. Esau says, you're dead. I'm going to kill you. And Jacob goes running. So it's a complete disaster. You know what? His soul wanted something. His soul was hungry, and it needed something. Now he runs. Now he runs a long way away. And when he gets to his destination, he meets this girl, and her name is Rachel. And oh my gosh, smoking hot. Smoking, smoking, smoking hot. And he looks at her, and he's like, oh my gosh, I will work seven years. Okay? Think about that. So, uh, ladies, if you're thinking about a possible suitor, you look at it and says, will you work seven years for me, and it'll be like a day? And that's just a, that's kind of a qualifying question there. Okay? He's like... Nothing. I mean, I'll work seven years. No problem. You are so incredible. If I can get you, my soul, my soul will be satisfied. So he works seven years. It's like a day. And then on his wedding day, he does a lot of drinking. He gets drunk. And it's dark at night. And he goes into the wedding tent. And he thought it was Rachel. But it was her older sister, Leah. And he wakes up in the morning. Good reason why maybe you want to think about mixing alcohol and sex. Sun comes up. Oh, my gosh. And his soul is still empty. His soul is empty. He was looking for approval from his father. Didn't satisfy his soul. He thought that marriage, he thought that romance, he thought that sex, he thought that this smoking hot person would satisfy his soul. And that was a disaster. So now he turns all of his attention to making a bunch of money. When all else fails, make a bunch of money. All right? John Rockefeller, who we've talked so much about, said money is the answer to everything. And he makes a bunch of money. He's incredibly successful. And after he's made all the money, he realizes his soul is still empty, still dissatisfied. So he says, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm going to go back home. So he's taking his family. He's got Rachel. He's got Leah. He's got a disaster on his hands. He's going back home. And before he gets back home, he sends one of his scouts out. He says, I want you to go and just see what the temperament is of my brother Esau. Is he okay? So the scout goes out, comes back riding hard, gets down. Jacob, we found Esau. 
He's riding as fast as he can to meet you with 400 armed men. Interpretation, you're dead. (laughs) So now, Jacob in his life, God was always, Jacob was always busy, crazy busy. He's crazy busy. Didn't have time for God. Hardly ever thinks of God. All of a sudden, God, right to the top of the priority list. Sends everybody away, goes up on the side of a mountain, and he's just like, God, just screaming out, help. And this really cool thing happens. God puts on human flesh and shows up and wrestles with them all night. And somewhere in that wrestling match in the middle of the night, Jacob realized this is God. God says to him after an all night long wrestling match, somebody's like, how in the world can somebody wrestle God and not, oh. I used to wrestle my son all the time. I would never win. That's just a little picture about the way God wants to wrestle with you. Wrestles all night. God says, okay, I'm leaving now. Now, Jacob knows this. If he sees God at the light of day when the sun comes up, he will die. And Jacob says, no way. Even if I die, I have foundly found that thing that will satisfy my soul. And at the risk of my own death, I'm not going to let you go. Because finally, I know it's not the approval of somebody else. I know it's not marriage. And I know it's not money. It was you I was looking for all along that will satisfy my soul. So even if I die, I'm not letting you go. And then he says to God, he says, bless me. Bless me. Here's the thing you need to know about blessings. Blessings are always communicated in words. 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 And we're told that God blessed him, but we're not told what God said to him. We're not told what God, how did you, what did you say, God? We don't know. All we know is this, is from that point on, Jacob was a transformed person. Matter of fact, Jacob's name changed from Jacob to Israel. Totally changed. But we have no idea what God said. Here's the thing. There's something that your soul, there's something today that every single one of us in this room, me included, we need to hear from God. I don't know what it is for you. But there's something. There are words that all of us, our souls crave to hear. And until they are, it's dissatisfied and it's hungry. And our souls take us to places we never want to go. But if you will hear, if you will hear whatever it is that God wants to speak into your soul. So I want to end this way. All this information is great, but it's not going to change your life. You need God to speak into your, I know it's mystical. But you need to hear from God those words of life that will change you. You need to grab on to God and say, I'm not going to let you go until I finally hear what my soul has been craving. Information and experience, words from God straight to our soul that transform us. And so I want to end this way. I want to end by just praying. I don't know what it is for you. But that every single one of us, I've been praying this in my little 17-cent notebook for the past two months that every single person that comes into this place would hear whatever it is that each one of us needs to hear so that our souls will be satisfied. And I hope that every single one of us can hear that either today or sometime in the near future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for all this wonderful information that we've learned, this deep philosophy about life that we find is so true. But now, Lord, that's only half of the equation. 
We need your living word to speak to our hearts what our souls really need to hear. Some of us need to hear something from you so desperately today because our souls are hungry and it's leading us astray, taking us to places that we never want to go, but our souls are hungry. So, Father, would you speak to us, each one of us, those words that only you know, that only you know that we need to hear, that our souls might be at rest and find joy in you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to thank you uh, for those of you who've been a part of this series the last seven weeks. I hope that you have enjoyed this incredibly unique book in the Bible and that this won't be the only time you read this book. It is absolutely fascinating. Uh, we love you and we appreciate you. If you're a guest, I do something called Grace and Five. Love to meet you over there. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.